Hi, my name's Amber, and thanks for watching today. Before we get started, we wanted to fill you in on our church. Here at Grace, we have a mission and a purpose. Our goal is to point people towards Jesus. If you are looking for a church, we would love for you to be a part of what God is doing here at Grace. There are a couple different ways for you to start getting connected to Grace. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We would also like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We have a great time gathering for music, hanging out, and learning about who God is and how that affects us. Thanks for watching, and we hope to see you next week here at Grace. Man, so much happening here at Grace. Uh, you just got to love it. Uh, if you... Operation Christmas Trout, one of my favorite things that we get to be able to do every year. Uh, if you haven't grabbed a box on the way out, grab a box, get that thing filled up and bring it in as soon as possible. Uh, and then we get to just see how God just uses those things, like in stories like that. Just, just so fun uh, to be able to see. Again, uh, so much happening at Grace. Um, Calhar Retreat. If you have a student from grades 6 to 12, I'm the high school pastor, and so I, I kind of shameless plug here. If you have a student, grades 6 to 12, they need to be going to Calhari. Uh, this is one of the greatest things that we do as a student ministry, and every year I, I get to talk with students, and this is one of those th events that is a, a game changer for students. Um, and so get them signed up. Uh, we have early bird pricing going on right now, and that's coming to a close. And so get them signed up. You're not going to want to, your student will not want to miss it. Uh, and there's really, there's no excuses uh, that is going to be, that should cause your student from missing this. Get your student signed up. It's going to be fun for them. They'll make new relationships with people. Uh, they'll, they'll get surrounded by people who are just trying to pursue Jesus. And, and then there's, they get connected with a, an adult who's and just going to challenge them, and then they get just challenged spiritually. It, it just don't miss out on the opportunity to be able to have your student get, get a, a guy coming and speaking into their life and, and their language and in their, just what's going on in their world, just being able to speak to them in, in that level. It's just a great opportunity. So get them signed up for that. Um, if you didn't know last week we had our young guys versus old guys football game. It was good. Uh, I've been old the last few years. This year, though, I got to be young once again, and, uh, and I appreciate that. Um, and the old guys, we know the tradition. The old guys usually whoop up on the young guys. And probably like a lot of you people are, are just, you appreciate that. Just bringing a little humility to the young guys. Well, this year I got something to tell you. The score of the football game, young guys won, 61 to 43, so there's a lot of defense. Um, no, it's, we had a fun time, uh, and so maybe if you're an old guy in this room, jump in next year, get those young guys, beat them up a little bit, show them what's up, uh, and we had a fun time. This morning we've been having a blast with uh, baptisms. It's just such an awesome way to be able to celebrate people taking their step and uh, following Jesus. And this morning, what we're going to be doing, because we're going to be we're watching people take, uh, take their step in baptism this morning, and we're watching people actually do that next week as well. And actually, at all three of our campuses, people are getting baptized this morning and next week. So why are we spending so much time about it? And 
right now, what I want to do is just spend the next little bit of time we have together to just talk about baptism. And the reason we, I want to talk about it is because Jesus talked about it. The reason it's important because he talked about it. In Matthew 28, 19, it says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We want to be a church here at Grace is that about this commission that Jesus gave to you and to me. It's the commission that's where he's telling us to go and tell the world what he has done for you and for me. Tell everybody about that message. And then it says baptize them after they make that decision to follow him. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We want to be a church that is doing that and celebrating in that and following his, and being obedient and following Jesus' command here. And we're going to look at a story in Acts chapter 8 this morning uh, talking about a guy named Philip mainly. And where Philip, it, just get a little background knowledge of Philip. First time we see Philip is in Acts chapter 6. And uh, Philip is becoming a deacon in the early church. And along with some other guys, but probably the most recognizable uh, guy name there is Stephen. And the reason you might know the name Stephen is because in the next chapter, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is martyred for his faith. He's killed for being a Christian. He's killed for telling people about Jesus. They're, at, they're approving of his death is Saul, who we know as Paul. Saul is sitting there approving of Stephen being killed, and in chapter 8, Saul starts to begins to persecute the church. We know in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, that the church begins to scatter because of that persecution. Philip, when the church scatters, he goes to Samaria. And when Philip goes to Samaria, he starts sharing the gospel, telling people about Jesus. And what we see in, 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 in Acts 8, we see Philip... When he's sharing the gospel there in, in, in Samaria, people are just coming to know him. People are coming to know Jesus because of Philip being obedient and just telling people about Jesus. In Acts 8 verse 12, what we know is that not only are people making the decision to follow Jesus, now people are taking the step, next step of being baptized in Samaria. Eventually, Philip starts feeling like, his time there is coming to a close, probably because the church there is thriving. So Philip starts going, okay, I've, I've done my job, I, and it's time for me to go back home. And so that's where we're going to pick up in the story in Acts chapter 8, verse 25, where it says this. So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go up. And join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, Well, how could I? Unless someone guides me. 
and he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to a slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from the scripture, he preached Jesus to him. I like this story. Because I like it because of Philip and his unwavering obedience to God. Just, he's not asking, God, give me more details. He's just obeying. And I know maybe in, a, in this room we're thinking right after reading this through the story and you're going, okay, Luke. All right, I get the command. Jesus says go tell the world about what he's done for But if it, the reason I'm not doing that, if an angel came to me like it did for Philip, and said, hey, hey, go to your co-worker and, and tell your co-worker about Jesus. Okay, an angel came to me. Okay, now I would go. If I could say this this morning, you have something far better, far greater than the angel coming and speaking to you. You have God's word. You already have his command in Matthew 28, 19 to go. We shouldn't be sitting back going, I need, I need a, a better, I need more details here, God. Before I can even go and obey, I need more details. We don't need to be doing that. We've already been told to go. We shouldn't be asking, hey, hey, hey God, I need to know how all this is going to work out. I need to have all the right answers and all the right words. You have been just told to go, be faithful and go. Philip, this is why I love this story. He doesn't, he's not asking all these questions, not asking for details. Remember, he in Samaria, he's having a successful ministry. People are coming to know Jesus because he's there. Because he's just being faithful and telling people about Jesus. Crowds are coming to know Jesus. Philip doesn't go, hey God. Hey, God, look at my ministry. Look at, look at what I've been able to, and, and through you, okay, but look at what I, I've been able to do. People are coming to know you. Why should I leave? The church here is thriving. The church is doing good. Why should I ever go anywhere else? He doesn't sit there and start asking questions. He just obeys. He says uh, unwavering obedience to God. Think about how weird this command is for him. All right, he's, he's, he's already headed home. He's heading back towards Jerusalem. He's, he's sharing the gospel as he goes. And then he's told to go to a desert road. And there's several different desert roads. There's several different roads, I mean, that lead out of Jerusalem to Gaza. And what Philip is told to do is go to the one less traveled. Go to the desert road, Philip. Not just that. That phrase where he says, it says, go south. It also could be translated, go at noon. So think about it. This command, hey, go to the road less traveled. Already people aren't really there, typically. Go to the road less traveled at noon. 
desert road. He doesn't complain. He doesn't say, hey God, show me the one person and me obeying. Show me the one person that even comes to know you from my obedience to you. He just goes. He understands his job is not the salvation, not providing. His job is just to be faithful and go, right? And then, here Philip, think about it. If he didn't go, what would have happened? What would have happened if Philip just didn't obey? He says, you know what, God? I'm going to keep going. I'm, I'm, I'm still obeying you. I'm still telling people about Jesus. I'm just not going to go that way. You know what happened? He would have missed out on all God had for him. This story, what, as we're reading through it, and we've got more to read through, but as we're reading through it, just look at how God is continuously providing. Yeah, Philip doesn't know all the details, but look how God is being faithful to Philip. If Philip didn't obey, he would have missed out on seeing how God was going to provide and seeing God's faithfulness. Remember Matthew 28, 19, where he's saying Jesus tells us to go. Do you remember the next verse in 20 where Jesus tells us, he gives us a promise to you and to me and to Philip that he will be with us always, even to the very end? In the story, you see that. You see how God is just working, is there in the midst of this story. Philip obeys. He goes to this desert road. We aren't told how long he's even there. Could have been five minutes. Could have been a while. We aren't told. It's not, in, it's not there in the, in the passage. But I, I, could, I would imagine he's there for a while, right? I don't think it just, he gets to the desert road and now everything falls into place. I think he, he gets there and going, okay, God, what's the plan here? You know, he's, he's clueless. He's not told the, that there's a chariot even about to come until the chariot comes. And then he's told, go up to the chariot. He's not told who's in the chariot. He's not told, hey, what to say. He's not told what to really do. He's just told to go. He doesn't know who's in the chariot. Of course, as he's looking at this chariot approaching, he knows this person in the chariot has gotten importance. This is an Ethiopian eunuch. Guy working for the queen, right? He's working for the queen as a treasure, and he can, the king can trust the eunuch. Let's be honest. The king can trust the eunuch because he know, understands between the eunuch and the queen, there's no funny business. Right? But this eunuch is particular. This eunuch, what we're told in this passage, is that he's a, he went to Jerusalem to worship, so he's a convert to Judaism, so he's a proselyte. And as this chariot is approaching... Philip's told to go, and Philip, again, he doesn't question it. He just goes, he obeys, runs up to the chariot. Now, last week, I got reminded how out of shape I am in and playing in that flag football game. Running down the field and then trying to have a conversation because you're just joking around with somebody is really difficult, right? Philip, it says he runs up to the chariot. Runs. He runs and he's now is trying to have a conversation. This is 
kind of funny in my mind. He's running up, and, and now he's saying, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Because the, the eunuch is reading out of Isaiah right here, and he's reading out loud, which is customary during the time. The unusual portion is, how did he have a scroll? Which is probably because he worked for the queen, he had some money. So he's reading. And he's reading, he's, he, he, and he probably chose also the road less traveled because he's been around people. He's an important figure, right? He works for the queen. And he probably says, you know, let's go, all right, there's other different directions. Let's go to the road less traveled because I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. Hey, don't bug me. I'm reading. And he's just reading. All of a sudden, a guy runs up in the middle of a desert to your chariot and says, hey, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand it? I picture Philip running up and then going, hey, hold on one second. And, and pausing and, and just like, this is my mind going, oh, uh, Philip, he's, this is awkward. And this, the eunuch's probably thinking, who is this guy? What is he doing? Why is he here? And then he asks the question, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch answers, like, honestly, like most people who don't believe, unbelievers coming to God's word, they answer, ask, answer the same way as the eunuch. How can I? This doesn't make any sense. What is this even talking about? Here's this cool part. As he runs up and talks to this eunuch, he just starts where the eunuch, he just starts talking to the eunuch. The eunuch invites him in to the chariot and he just starts telling the eunuch about Jesus, where he was at in Isaiah. Again, you, you might be saying, well, Luke, he's, it's a Bible character. Of course, he's going to be, he's going to be good at sharing the gospel. He's an ordinary guy. The thing that makes Philip really extraordinary in this story and it, through all of Acts chapter 8 is that he is just uh, is so in love with Jesus. Look through all of chapter 8. What is Philip doing? Sharing the gospel. It just is pouring out of him. His life, you could just be, it's clear. This guy has been changed, right? He, it's clear that he's Decided on Jesus. It's clear that he's demonstrating a change because he's deploying. He is telling everybody he meets about Jesus. He goes to Samaria. He tells people about Jesus. He's called to go to this desert road near Gaza. He's not questioning it. He just understands, okay, my job is just to be faithful and to tell people about Jesus. That's what he does. And he makes it look simple. You know why? Because he just starts where the eunuch is at. He doesn't go turn to any other portion of scripture. He starts where he's at in Isaiah. Look at Jesus with the woman at the well. What does Jesus do there? He doesn't talk about anything else besides her need for water, right? And then she, he helps her discover truth. What about Paul and to the Athenians? He's talking to the, about the unknown God. Or the Jews, when Paul is talking to the Jews in Corinth, he's talking of reasoning with them that Jesus was Christ. He, that we start, if you want to share the gospel better and more effective, start where people are at in their life. 
Because when you start where someone's at, you help them realize if they have a need in their life, and that's where you're starting to have the conversation about Jesus, it helps them realize their need for a Savior. It's exactly what Philip does with the eunuch. It just starts talking to the eunuch about who Jesus is from this passage in Isaiah. And it's cool that this passage in Isaiah, again, God is just working through this whole story. And Isaiah, Isaiah is writing about the Messiah that's coming. He's prophesying about Jesus and what Jesus would do for us. Look how God's just providing. Philip just is faithful. And he says, all right, you're trying to discover truth. Of course, this guy is trying to discover truth. He, he's a convert to Judaism. This guy is trying to figure out who is the one true God. Philip just is obedient and just helps them discover that truth. And he leads them to a decision where the eunuch decides on Jesus. And somewhere there in between verses 34 and 36, the eunuch decides. He puts his faith, he puts his trust, he puts his hope into, in Jesus. And after he decides on Jesus, the next question that the eunuch asks is this. In verse 36. As they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? This next little portion, you see a few different things. Uh, You see a a few different truths about baptism. You see the method of baptism, the who and the how, who should be baptized and how we should be baptized. And you see the, the meaning of baptism. And because you see the method and you see the meaning, you can also see the mistakes that we could make today with baptism. The story continues. After the, the eunuch asks the question, what's preventing me from being baptized? Philip stops the chariot and he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Isotis, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. So the method, who should be baptized? Baptism, it's clear. The eunuch, once he decided on Jesus, he understood and, and don't really know why he is, this is the next thing he's thinking. Don't know if that's a conversation leading up to this point. Or he just understands culturally, because we aren't told, but he, he might understand culturally. During that time, people who are saying themselves are Christians, followers of Christ, followers of Jesus. What, were they, what was the thing that they did was to get baptized. And so it's kind of interesting that he, that's his next question. Who, Philip, hey, I know we just met, but hey, as they're riding along, all of a sudden, there's water in the desert. God's providing again. And he, Philip's like, what's preventing me from us, what's preventing me from just being baptized? And the, the Philip's just like, probably blown away, just pumped up that he even asked that question. Philip, all right, stops the chariot. 
and they get out of the chariot, and, and Philip, so before we keep going, baptism is for the believer. Who, who is baptism for? It's for the believer. How should we baptize? As he stops, they don't yell, hey, grab the canteen off the back of the chariot, and let's just kind of throw some water on the eunuch. No, they, they, it makes an emphasis in this passage that they both went into the water, Right? So baptism is for a believer, but how should we baptize? It's full immersion. The word baptize here in this passage literally means to to dunk or to be plunged. And and that's what's illustrated in this passage. And I've heard recently, I heard someone say, well, it doesn't mean, okay, yeah, just because it says they went into the water doesn't mean it's full immersion. Well, that's what the word baptism means. But also, let's just think about this. If they stopped the chariot and they both went into the water, if I'm the person baptizing someone else and I don't have to get wet, that would be that's good for me, right? I don't I don't necessarily rem- like you remember the squirt gun fights I had a with my nephews the other day. We not the other day because this last summer we uh, we did a squirt gun fight and. You know, I don't really want to get wet. I like getting, I like soaking them, right? I don't, I'm running around making sure they're not going to be able to get me. It, it said they both went into the water. They're, the only reason they would both go into the water is full immersion. And this is why here at Grace, you're not seeing someone get baptized that is an infant. Because they, they aren't. A believer, and it's not the full immersion. It's baptism is for a believer. It's a declaration. It's a symbol. That's the meaning. Symbol. It's a symbol of what Jesus has already done in your life. It's like my ring. On my wedding day, you know, you, you make a promise, a vow, right? And that promise of vow, it's, it's symbolized through this ring, right? That you're going to be faithful, right? That you're going to be together through sickness and health, the good, the bad. Let's just say for a second, I decided to not wear my ring. I just decided, okay, well, I, I know I'm married. I don't, I don't need to wear this thing. I don't like wearing rings. I never wore a ring my entire life until I'm married. But let's just say I decided I'm not going to wear this thing. Take it off. Let me ask you, how do you think that makes Rachel, my wife, feel? I can tell you, it would make her feel like I'm ashamed of her. It would make her feel like I have a commitment issue. How do you think that makes me look? It makes me look bad. Because this ring is supposed to be a symbol to tell everybody else, I'm taken. I'm committed. For life, I am committed. That's what you made a promise of. On your wedding day. 
this symbol, you know what it does? It changes conversation and it changes people's expectation with you. That's what symbols do, right? Symbols that there's, there's a purpose and a meaning behind them. Baptism, it's a symbol. It's a symbol what has already taken place in your life. It's a symbol that you are His. You ever seen a, like a new, just married couple? And see how like madly in love they are with each other, right? Like on their wedding day, they're just like, just having a blast, Right? As followers of Christ, we're supposed to follow in his command to be baptized because it's a symbol. It's a symbol that we are madly in love with him, even though we don't deserve his love. You remember, before you, were, you decided and put, to put your faith and trust and hope in Jesus, you're, you know the Bible tells us that we are enemies of the cross? And and then when Jesus, even though we were enemies of the cross, Jesus loving you so much, gave up his own life, became a substitute for you and for me, so that if we would decide on him, if we would put our faith, trust, and hope in him, we would be made new, we would be declared righteous, we would be forgiven. That's why the gospel is called the good news. It's too good to keep to ourselves. That's exactly what baptism is. It's us saying, taking a public declaration, just like this ring is a public declaration that I'm taking. It, it, baptism is a public declaration that we are His, that we are so madly in love with Him, and we want everyone to understand that. We want everyone to understand that Jesus is too good to us. That we don't deserve His love, but He still is giving it to us anyways. Baptism is that public declaration that you belong to Him. That you belong to Jesus. It's a public declaration of what has already happened in the inside of you. You know the early church, remember in Acts chapter 8, the very beginning, where the, the church is being persecuted. The early church understood what baptism was for. And they took it serious. Like it meant something. Because the early church, they were facing this huge persecution. If To be a Christian, you meant, it meant you were hated. You meant you were maybe even ostracized by your family and your friends. But you could go to church on Sunday. And they'd be alright with you. You wouldn't face the persecution just because you went to church, just because you you hung out with some Christians. What made that different, what all of a sudden changed, is when you decided, I'm going to take this next step. I'm going to be baptized. And what the early church understood is once you were baptized, 
It was no longer you're just saying, hey, I'm all right with you. I, I'm all right with the Christians. I'm, I'm, I'm good with going to church on Sundays or occasionally. It's saying, no, I am a Christian. This is who I am. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm in love with Jesus, and the message is too good. Well, I'm going to follow him, and I don't care what anybody says. I'm just going to obey. And once someone was baptized in the early church, they immediately felt persecution. They immediately felt hatred towards them. They understood it. it there wasn't this, this option just to live as, hey, I, I kind of like this message, but I don't really want to live it. They understood if you're going to claim to be a follower of Christ, and you're going to go get, take the next step of being baptized, it meant you're the real deal. It meant that you're following him, even through the good, the bad, and the ugly. You're going to be obedient. Philip understood that. Philip just was obedient. He shares the gospel to the eunuch. The eunuch decides. He, he baptizes this eunuch. Because the eunuch understood this is a symbol. He understood the method. He understood the meaning. It leads us to this third point, the mistakes that we can make. What are the mistakes? Because we saw the method and we see the meaning, what are the mistakes we can make? It, it could be us baptizing someone before they believe. Baptizing someone who doesn't understand how good Jesus is to us. Baptizing someone who doesn't understand their need for a Savior, who hasn't, under, hasn't grasped that yet. It's baptizing someone that doesn't believe, but it's also baptizing someone in the wrong way. It's, it's baptism is full immersion. So we could, we could make the mistake of baptizing somebody that's before they're saved, baptizing somebody in the wrong way, but we also can make too much of baptism. Like we see it on the screen and we see it and we go, okay, I want to be baptized. My question is, why would you want to be baptized? Why are you wanting to be baptized. Is it because you're thinking, hey, this is how you're saved? Because that's not what baptism is. That's making too much of baptism. Baptism isn't your salvation. It isn't how we're saved. Paul says this about salvation in Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. It's a grace. Salvation comes from grace. Grace alone is something you do not deserve, but Jesus is offering it to you anyways. What do we not deserve? We don't deserve his love. We're enemies of the cross. But he is offering it to us anyways. What's the gift? What's the gift that he's talking about? He's offering you this gift that if you would come to him, admit that you're a sinner, admit that you're broken, Understand that you have a need for a Savior. Realize that He died for you to become your substitute. And you confess that you want to make Him the Lord over your life. He comes into your life and makes you new. That's the gift. And that gift is making you new. It talks, the scripture says that He makes you white as snow. And as we are made new, our old self is gone. Behold, our new self comes to light. A new life. Come wanting to obey God. Wanting to serve Him always. 
in that life, we're given eternal life. Baptism isn't our salvation. It is a, rather, it's a picture of our salvation. It's not how we're saved. Again, it's a picture of his grace. It's a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of our old self being washed away and our new self coming to life. Remember what John the Baptist, his message? His message was repent, right? In Matthew 3.11, it says this, John saying, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. What's John the Baptist, what he's talking about? He's talking about that there's going to be a Messiah who's coming. He's talking about Jesus. Who's not going to come with a water baptism, but a baptism that will renew the heart, mind, and soul. That will change an individual. A baptism that is so much far greater than water. A renewing of our soul. A renewing of our mind. As John's talking, you know the story, Jesus walks up. And it says this, then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering said to him, permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. Let's just say this. If baptism was our salvation, why would Jesus need to be baptized? Only person ever to live perfect, holy. It's because baptism isn't our salvation. Jesus, well, why did he get baptized here in this passage? He got baptized so that once you have trusted in Jesus, you would follow him in a step of believer's baptism. Again, when we when we don't listen, when we don't when we don't uh, do the meaning and method right, we mess up what baptism is all about. We mess up what the symbol of it that it represents. So we could we could make mistakes in baptism and baptizing someone that's not a believer, baptizing somebody in the wrong way. We also can make the mistake that we're, we're making too much of baptism, thinking it's how we're saved, when it's not. But we also can make too little of baptism. We also cannot take baptism serious enough. Jesus commanded it, Matthew 28, 19. Jesus gave us an example to follow here in this story. Baptism is a symbol for a believer. That we have been radically changed by him. We have been made new. Let me ask you this. If you believe that Jesus has died for you and you've confessed that you've, uh, you've made that decision. You've decided on Jesus. And you haven't been baptized. 
why haven't you obeyed? If you truly are saying, I'm a follower of Christ, and yeah, I'm going to follow him, why haven't you obeyed in this step? It's because not, you're not taking it serious enough. Jesus commanded it. Jesus gave an example to follow. The eunuch, he understood that. He understood, okay, hey, Philip, the next thing I need to do, I need to get baptized. They go, they go and get it done. Why haven't you obeyed? Really, this morning, there's a step for all of us to take. No matter where we are, if you're somebody who has decided on Jesus, and maybe you've been baptized, be obedient as well. Go and tell people about Jesus, about your Savior. Start where they're at, but share truth. Help them discover truth by pointing them to Jesus. Even if you're doing that, continue to do it. See the urgency in sharing the gospel, sharing truth with other people. Maybe you're in this room and you you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus yet. Maybe this morning could be that time where you realize you're you're broken and you realize that Jesus has died for you. And, And maybe this morning is the time where you put your faith, hope, and trust in Him. You're saying, it's, I'm, I'm trusting in Jesus, Jesus alone for my salvation, nothing else. Ephesians 2.8, it said, by nothing that we can do. It's not by anything, doing good or, or even being baptized. It, nothing that we can do will make ourselves right before God. It is a grace that we are saved through faith. Maybe this morning would be a time where you, you make that decision. And you just go to him and you admit to God, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I need you. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I'm, I ask, I'm confessing, I'm putting my hope and trust in you. And the Bible tells us that you, are, you would be made white as snow. You would be made new. But, and then there's the third thing this morning. Maybe you're a follower of Christ, but you haven't obeyed in baptism. Next week, we got another opportunity. I know that probably makes you nervous. Philip obeyed, right? And he got to see God's amazing plan for him. Just obey. You can sign up by going to ohiograce.com slash events and then baptism and then clicking on there and signing up there. You can sign up by going to the information center as well. The reason we want you get to sign up is because we want to have a conversation with you. We want you to come in and meet with one of the pastors on our staff and just to talk so that we under, you understand that we, we, under, we want to do at Grace baptism correct. We want you to understand the meaning of the method. We want to help you understand that we don't want to make the mistakes. That's the only reason we want you to just have a conversation with you. So if you sign up for baptism. And did you see the end of the story? Philip as, and the eunuch, as they left the water, Philip all of a sudden snatched away, which is just cool. And then he all of a sudden is in Zotus. And what is he doing there? He's just sharing the gospel. 
to just continue to tell people about Jesus, being faithful again, having unwavering obedience, understanding that's his mission, that's his job as a believer, just to tell people about him. But do you see the Ethiopian eunuch? Do you see what happened with him? It said that he went away rejoicing. I like it. You know what early church history tells us about the eunuch? That he went back and he started the church in Ethiopia. This morning, what I want to really concentrate on as we leave this morning, as we have get to be able to celebrate next week baptism, is that joy. Baptism is rejoicing that we have been made new. We should be as a church celebrating. This, this morning we had people, a ton of people in first hour. We had people in second. We've had people in all three of our campuses this morning getting baptized. We should, as a church, just leave this morning rejoicing. Coming back next Sunday, ready to rejoice again. That Look at what God has been doing. Right? Watching people take a next step in baptism. We should be celebrating. Just like the Ethiopian eunuch is. So this morning... Let's close in prayer and let's, if you would, stand with me and let's just celebrate this week about what he's done for us. Dear Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity of just coming. And Lord, worshiping you this morning. And Lord, we thank you that you are good. And Lord, you, you showed us love even though we don't deserve it. And Lord, we thank you for the baptisms that we got to see this morning. And Lord, we thank you that we get to see more next week. And Lord, we pray that we, as a church, will just be obedient to your word. We be obedient to your command in Matthew 28, 19, of going and telling people about you. But we also will be obedient in taking this next step of baptism. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you're doing here. Lord, I pray that you just revive us and give us this joy in who you are and what you have done for us. And Lord, we love you. We praise you in your name. Amen. You guys are dismissed. See you guys next week. Thanks for watching, and we hope to see you next week here at Grace.